Our Old Testament passage today picks up in Numbers chapter 17, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and get from them staffs, one from each father's house, from all their chiefs, according to their father's houses, 12 staffs. Write each man's name on his staffs, all right? The top leader from each of the 12 tribes. And write Aaron's name on the staff of Levi, for there should be one staff for the head of each father's house. Then you shall deposit them in the tent of meeting before the testimony where I meet with you. This is where God met with him, before the Ark of the Covenant. And the staff of the man whom I choose will sprout, okay? It will bear fruit. It will show life. Thus I will make to cease from me from me, the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against you. God said, you know what? I'm tired of listening to these grumblings. He said, now, you know, they're grumbling against you, but they're really grumbling against me. So he said, I'm going to put an end to this. I'm going to show by a display of life who I choose. So Moses spoke to the people of Israel and all the chiefs gave their staffs, one to each tribe, according to the father's house, 12 staffs. And the staff of Aaron was among their staffs. And Moses deposited the staffs before the Lord in the tent of meeting. On the next day, Moses went into the tent of meeting, and behold, the staff of Aaron for the tribe of Levi had sprouted, had put forth buds, and produced blossoms, and it bore ripe almonds. So, all right, we see life. We see life. And we see fruit. It not only had buds, it had blossoms and it had ripe almonds. Now notice, those come in stages, but here they were all together. This is normal. The normal is stages. First you have the bud and then it produces blossoms and then you have the ripe almonds. It's, it's the fruit of the almond tree. Now those of you that have been to Israel with us in February and March, you've seen the beautiful almond trees blossoming, okay? Those blossoms are where the fruit grows. So normally it happens in three stages. Here, all three stages are present at once. Then Moses brought out all the staffs from before the Lord to all the people of Israel. And they looked and each man took a staff. And Moses said, and the Lord said to Moses, put back the staff of Aaron before the testimony to be kept as a sign for the rebels that you may make an end of their grumblings against me lest they die. So God says, I don't want these people to die. So he said, I want, to, I want to leave a reminder for these people. Thus did Moses, as the Lord commanded him, and so he did. And the people of Israel said to Moses, Behold, we perish, we are undone, we are all undone. Everyone who comes near, who comes near to the tabernacle of the Lord, shall die. Are we to perish? Now, you know, it's amazing how when, when people are full of guilt over their actions, they always think God's going to destroy them. They always think... You know, people who are full of guilt can only think of judgment. Have you ever noticed that? People who are full of guilt, let's just put that in there. People full of guilt only see God's judgment. There's something about guilt that stops you from seeing love, that stops you from seeing mercy. Now, now, this was mercy, okay? This was mercy. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that thing there so that the people will have a sign, 
so that they won't die. But all they can see is judgment. Guilt makes people have very focused eyes only on judgment. Chapter 18, verse 1. So the Lord said to Aaron, you and your sons and your father's house with you shall bear iniquity connected with the sanctuary. And you and your sons with you shall bear iniquity connected with your priesthood. And with you bring your brothers also, the tribe of Levi, the tribe of your father, that they may join you and minister to you while you and your sons with you are before the tent of the testimony. They shall keep guard over you and over the whole tent, but shall not come near to the vessels of the sanctuary or to the altar, lest they and you die. They shall join you and keep guard over the tent of meeting for all the service of the tent. No outsider shall come near you. Verse 5, And you shall keep guard over the sanctuary and over the altar, that they may never again be wrath upon the people of Israel. And behold, I have taken your brothers the Levites from among the people of Israel. They are a gift to you, given to the Lord, to do the service of the tent of meeting. So, all right, you know, Paul's teaching in Ephesians that God has taken captivity captive and given them as gifts to men. Tie, tie, tie that here also. The Levites were gifts given to the Lord. And now he says, I'm giving them to you, Aaron. And you and your sons with you shall guard your priesthood for all that concerns the altar that is within the veil, and you shall serve. I give you your priesthood as a gift. And any outsider who comes near shall be put to death. Now notice. The calling is a gift. The calling is a gift. Then the Lord spoke to Aaron. Behold, I have given you charge of the contributions made to me, all the consecrated things of the people of Israel. I have given them to you as a portion and to your sons as a perpetual due. Now notice. This is the whole principle of how pastors have to be supported. The people give to God. God gives to spiritual leadership. I have given them to you. God said, these are mine. They were given to me, but now I give them to you. Now, this is why as pastors, we don't go around and take money from people. We don't go around and the people don't support us. This has always been the plan of God. God supports the ministry. They shall be yours of the most holy things, reserved from the fire. Every offering of theirs, every grain offering of theirs, and every sin offering of theirs, and every guilt offering of theirs, which they render to me, shall be most holy to you and to your sons. In the most holy place you shall eat it. Every male may eat of it. It is holy to you. This also is yours, the contribution of their gift. All the wave offerings of the people of Israel I have given them to you and to your sons and to your daughters with you as a perpetual due, as a perpetual due. This is not something that just went away. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat of it. And all the best of the oil and the best of the wine and of the grain, the first fruits of what they give to the Lord, I give to you. The ripe first fruits of all that is in their land, which they bring to the Lord, shall be yours. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat it. Everything devoted, every devoted thing in Israel shall be yours. Everything that opens the womb of all flesh, whether man or beast, which they offer to the Lord, shall be yours. Nevertheless, the firstborn of man you shall redeem, and the firstborn of unclean animals you shall redeem. And their redemption price, at a month old, you shall redeem them. You shall fix it five shekels in silver, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, 
which is 20 gerars. But the firstborn of the cow, or the firstborn of the sheep, or the firstborn of the goat, you shall not redeem. They are holy. You shall sprinkle their blood on the altar, and shall burn their fat as a food offering, with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. But their flesh shall be yours, as the breast that is waved, and as the right thigh are yours. All the holy contributions that the people of Israel present to the Lord I give to you, and to your sons and daughters with you, as a perpetual due. And notice, as a perpetual due. See, we're not just supporting a few people. They were supporting an entire tribe of Levi who were to give themselves full time to the ministry. They were not allowed to work. The the tribe of Levi were not allowed to go out and have secular jobs. And the Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in their land. Okay, The inheritance of Aaron and the, the Levites was what God would support them with. Neither shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the people of Israel. So God is the portion of spiritual leadership. God said, listen, you're not, you're not to have an inheritance. You're not to go out and have land and work the land. He said, you're, you're to take care of the sanctuary. You're to take care of the spiritual needs of the people. And God said, what they give to me, I then pass on to you. To the Levites, I have given every tithe in Israel as an inheritance in return for the service that they do, their service in the tent of meeting. Now, what notice every tithe, because in actuality, there are three different tithes in scriptures, and we'll see this as we read through. There's the regular tithe that began with the Garden of Eden and with Abraham, but then there's other tithes that were very specific to the support of the Levites that were in addition to what we consider the tithe today. There is a tithe that's before the law and even to today. And then there was a tithe that was just very specific to the nation of Israel, two other types of tithes. So that the people of Israel do not come near the tent of meeting lest they bear sin and die. But the Levites shall do the service of the tent of meeting and they shall bear their iniquity. There shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations, and among the people of Israel they shall have no inheritance, no work. For the tithe of the people of Israel, which they present as a contribution to the Lord, I have given to the Levites for an inheritance. Therefore I have said of them that they shall have no inheritance among the people of Israel. So spiritual leaders supported by the tithe. Moreover, you should, and we'll get into these other two tithes as we read, because as we get into all the details of the law of Moses, we'll, we'll see these other two tithes coming out. There's one tithe that was given, for instance, every three years and things. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Moreover, you shall speak and say to the Levites, When you take from the people of Israel the tithe I have given to you from them for your inheritance, then you shall present a contribution to the Lord, a tithe of the tithe. So here is another type of tithe, a tithe of the tithe. And your contribution should be counted to you as though it were a grain of a threshing floor and as the fullness of the winepress. And so you shall present a contribution to the Lord from all your tithes, which you shall receive from the people of Israel. And from it, you shall give the Lord's contribution to Aaron, the priest. This is called Aaron's portion. Aaron's portion was a tithe of the tithe. Out of all the gifts to give to you, you shall present every contribution due to the Lord from each its best part to be dedicated. Thus you shall say to them, when you have offered from it the best of it, 
Then the rest shall be counted to the Levites as produce of the threshing floor and as produce of the winepress. And you may eat it in any place, you and your household, for it is your reward in return for your service in the tent of meeting. All right. So again, spiritual leaders are supported by the tithe. And you shall bear no sin by reason of it when you have contributed the best of it. And you shall not profane the holy things of the people of Israel, lest you die. So we're beginning to see that there are different types of tithing in the scripture. That's where people get confused. They, they study a little bit, but they don't study very detailed. Okay, again, the tithe that we're talking about is the main tithe of Israel, the, the tithe that goes back to the garden, the tithe of Abraham, the, the 10%. But we're going to see that there's another tithe. There's a tithe that's given every three years, and that's a, a very special tithe. Okay, there's other tithes that are also used. All right, now, this tithe was to be given entirely. This tithe, this, this primary tithe, was to be given exclusively to God and was to be used exclusively to support the spiritual leadership of the people. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
I think I just confused you just a little bit before we close. So let me just throw some scriptures out at you so that you'll see them as we go. I told you that there's three different tithes. The major tithe that we talk about when we talk about tithing, like in Numbers 17 and Numbers 18, that's the, the tithe that goes back to Abraham's days, the 10%. And that was given exclusively to support spiritual leadership. But there are two other ties that the Bible mentions. For instance, in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse oh, 22 through around 24 or 25, we have what is called the tithe of the feasts. And this was a tithe that was to be used to support men going up to Jerusalem for the feast and for their taking care of their food and their needs and their, their special sacrifices during the feast. So that was like a, a second tithe that was... I wouldn't call it a vacation tithe, but I would call it a tithe to be used for, for your developing your own personal spiritual life, going up to the feasts and worshiping there and things. And then there was a third tithe in Deuteronomy 14, verse 28 and 29, that was taken every third year. And that was a special tithe that was received to support the poor and the foreigners among the people of Israel. It was it was a, a, a tithe taken every three years specifically for benevolence. All right. So, you know, the, these are very specific things that are done within the nation of Israel because of their own, because God's dealing with them as a nation. And they did not have a social welfare program. They did not have that. So this tithe every three years was like the social welfare program. So now that we clear up, there's three different tithes. What the main one that's talked about in scripture is the one going back to Genesis and Abraham, all right? The second one is a feast tithe. It's to develop your own spiritual life so that people would have the funds necessary to go up to Jerusalem and offer their sacrifices and worship. And then a third tithe taken once every three years, that was for the support of the poor and the foreigners among us. All right, now with that cleared up so that we don't leave people in confusion, Luke chapter 1 beginning with verse 26 for our New Testament reading today. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now notice, angel means sent one. That, that's really what it means. An angel means a sent one. He's a, he's a messenger, okay? To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. What a comment. I mean, an angel walked up to her and said, You're favored, and God is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? Now again, notice how is never unbelief. How is how? 
yeah, I'm I'm willing. Be it unto me according to your will to your word. But but how, brothers and sisters, it's never a problem when God, when God begins to speak to you about what He wants for your life. It's never a problem to say, God, here I am. I want your will. Show me how. And, and that's a common prayer of mine. All right, that's that's a prayer that I pray a lot. Show me how. That's, that's a pretty common prayer in my life. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. All right, so this is going to be a supernatural birth. Jesus is going to be fully God, and he's going to be fully man. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Now, this, this is how to respond to God. When God speaks to you about something, this is how to respond. Let it be to me according to your word. Now, brothers and sisters, whatever God says to you, let it be to me according to your word. You just have a submissive heart. Knowing the price, knowing whatever's going to come, let it be to me according to your word. Say that with me. Lord, just say this with me. Lord, let it be to me according to your word. No matter how big the promise or how small the promise. No matter what he has as a destiny for your life. Just have that kind of a heart. Have a heart like Mary. I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Oh, I want a heart like that. I want a heart. A heart like that can change a world. Okay. Mary changed the world. God used Mary to change the world. She gave birth to Messiah. Changed the world. Because she just, in spite of whatever would come, she said, Lord, let it be to me according to your word. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. This was the, this, they were relatives, all right? Remember, they're relatives. She knows where Elizabeth lives. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed in a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. <laughs> oh, this was prophetic. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord she knew that Messiah was in her. The Holy Ghost came upon her, and she knew that Messiah was growing within Mary's womb, that the mother of my Lord should come to me. And behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my, my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. <laughs> blessed. Happy is she who believed. Mary believed. 
Oh, beloved, when God speaks to you that he wants to do something in with it through your life, just believe. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who was mighty has done great things for me. <laughs> he who is mighty has done great things for me. C can you say that today? When you look at all the miracles that God has done for you in this last year, he who is mighty has done great things for you. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him, those who respect God. You want God's mercy in your life? Show some respect. From generation to generation, he has showed strength with his arm. He has shattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her for about three months and then returned to her home. So Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months. This must have been a wonderful, wonderful time as the baby grew within her <laughs> and as Elizabeth got ready to give birth. This was a beautiful season together for these two women. Two women. And, and maybe that'll be a nice sermon one day. Two women. One day my pen will work properly. <laughs> two women who changed the world. Wow. All right. Let's get into Proverbs. We always close out with a little bit of Proverbs every day. Proverbs 13 beginning with verse 22. A good man, not a bad man, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Now notice, a good man. Now please, people get mad at me when I say this, but you need to hear this. It is not the job of the children to be the retirement plan of the parents. Parents, it is our job to work so hard in our generation that we leave an inheritance for our children, that, that we don't lay around and watch eat bulaga, that we don't consume everything that we make, that we buy land, that we buy homes, that we buy farms in the province, whatever, but we, we build up assets so that we leave an inheritance to our children's children. Now, now sometimes this takes some planning, Sometimes this takes some planning. Now, I really began to learn this quite a few years ago. We had one of, one of the ladies in our church who later became one of our ECSs. I began to watch how every time she came to me, we, we were praying for her children and her grandchildren. And it was amazing how she was always thinking two generations. And then one day she, she confided in me how when the children were so much younger, Many years ago, back in like 1979, 1980, she bought property for her children, even though they were still very small children. 
she bought properties, one for each of the children. The properties were very cheap. And then as these children got married and had their families, they had beautiful pieces of land that were worth huge amounts of money because she had thought ahead and built an inheritance for her children. And that inheritance is large enough to even cover the grandchildren. Now, I've looked at her and I thought, yeah, that's, that's what the Bible talks about. Parents, this is wisdom. This is wisdom. We should not spend all of our money on travel. I know everybody, want, especially right now, everybody wants to travel. Everybody wants to do something. We're so tired of lockdown. But we don't spend all of our money on travel. We don't spend, we don't consume everything we have. We don't stop work when we're 40 years old and expect our children now that they've graduated college to support us. We keep working. We keep laying up assets so that our children and our children's children have an inheritance. Now that's a good man. That's, that's wisdom from Proverbs. But a sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. <laughs> the fallow ground of the poor would yield much fruit, but it is swept away through injustice. Injustice brings poverty. New Living makes it very clear. A poor man's farm may produce much fruit, but injustice sweeps it all away. This is why we need justice in the land. This is why we need justice in the courts. This is why we need justice in the government. Injustice impoverishes people. It keeps them poor. You see, what injustice does, and you're not going to like this, but I'm going to teach it anyway. Injustice makes a two-class society. Rich and poor. Justice has a three-class society, because Jesus said the poor you'll always have with you. Okay, so there's always going to be poor. But justice brings this big working class where people are coming out of poverty and they're leaving an inheritance for the next generation. And the next generation prospers even more than the last generation because they have a foundation to start with. Wherever you find injustice, you find a two-class society. And whenever injustice comes into a nation, you find a shrinking of the middle class, a shrinking of the working class. And you, you see the polarization of the, economic, of the economic condition of a nation, rich and poor, swept away through injustice. Whoever spares the rod hates his child, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Parents, when you don't control kids when they're young, when, when you know, when you have sons who bring their girlfriends home and have sex with them in their bedrooms in full view of the family. And dads, you don't just kick his butt. When you have children that, that come home drunk and there's no discipline, when, when you have, because you know what? Children are foolish. All right, please. Children are foolish. Remember, we were kids once too. We were young once too, and we were idiots also, okay? But thank God parents disciplined us, disciplined us. When you love your children, you're diligent to discipline them. I didn't say beat them. I didn't say, you know, break their spirits. But you discipline them. I remember when I was a young boy, 
I got off work at 11 o'clock. I was working in the hospital. And you got to understand, this is the barrio, okay? Now, we didn't have clubs in those days. We had what we called honky-tonks. I know that's a weird word, honky-tonks. And I had gone out with a bunch of the workers from the hospital, and we went to a honky-tonk after work. Now, I was only, what, 16 years old? No, maybe 15 years old. But I was at the honky-tonk. No, I was 16 because I had a car. So I just turned 16. I had a car. And I was in the honky-tonk drinking beer, not supposed to, but drinking beer with the, the folks from work. Well, you know, in a small town, people know everybody's cars. Somebody called my daddy. Now, there were no cell phones in those days, so my daddy got in his car, came up and got me. Walked in and embarrassed me in front of all the people I worked with. I said, David, come with me. <laughs> I was in trouble. I was grounded. And then my daddy began to teach me, David, in this family, we don't have a nightlife. There's nothing good that happens at this time of night. David, you get off work at 11 o'clock. I expect you home by 1130 because <laughs> that's how long it would take to drive. But my daddy disciplined me. Now, you got to understand, when my daddy got a hold of me when I was 14, I was a wild animal. Okay? I was just nuts. But my daddy disciplined me. And he was diligent about that discipline. Diligent about the words that I would use. Diligent about how I treated a lady. Diligent about work ethics. He disciplined me. Now, brothers and sisters, if you love your kids, you discipline them. The righteous has enough to satisfy his appetite, but the belly of the wicked suffers want. New Living Translation. The godly eat to their heart's content, but the belly of the wicked goes hungry. You'll always see wicked people always having need. When you live right, God meets your needs. Amen. All right. Some tremendous wisdom there to close out. We'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock sharp, as we get back into the book of Romans. And we, we finish up tonight, mercy.